Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Because you need to find every opportunity you can. Making sure that the firms that they're submitting you to and stuff have they've made placements there. Most people get jobs because of positive relationships with other people. Your best odds are to move to smaller markets. And every time I've been in a recession and I've taken candidates from big market, I have candidates in big markets that are willing to look at smaller markets, they always get jobs. I've had people, it, and again, I'm talking about New York City moving to Syracuse. I'm talking about New York City moving to, I don't you get the idea, North Carolina, or actually North Carolina will probably have a problem during this recession, but smaller markets, Charleston, or companies that, that work on law firms are, that will work on smaller issues are smaller companies and clients are, that'll be happy to have you. And you can always move back from those law firms, by the way. I'm not suggesting you do this. I think you should commit to where you're at. But if you move to a law firm in so many examples of markets that are good, but if you move to a law firm in New Hampshire and or something and and then the market goes back, you can move back to New York if you're, or you can move back to Los Angeles or you work in Sacramento or something or Fresno. You can, of course you can, but and or you can just move to a smaller market, a smaller firm in your own market. And it's not what people do. And you should speak to recruiters and without delay. And what they will do, by the way, and I hate to say this, if you work with me, I'm never going to stop being your friend and sending you jobs. I will go balls out. I'm not going to swear. I'm sorry, but I will go all out to, to help you if I think you're working with me and not stealing contact and thinking, but I will go all out and I won't stop. And you will think this person's evil because they're trying to help me. I don't know. Or what it's bad for me to try to apply to all these. This is what some people think. No, I will keep helping you. What's going to happen with other recruiters, most of them, because I know how the industry works and I'm not trying to be rude here. And not all recruiters are like this, that I want to be very clear. I think a lot of, I have a lot of respect for them, but most, meaning most real estate agents are a certain way. Most people in different professions are a certain way. What most of them will do is they will not have the resources to get you a job because they're not 200 person technology companies like BCG. And I've been doing this for 25 years and they will ghost you. They won't return your calls. You'll stop hearing from them. You will they'll send you a few firms. You'll call them and leave messages and you won't hear anything. They'll respond to your emails. Nothing yet. You work with me, I will send you jobs all the time. I will send you openings. I will send you firms. I will allow you, I will send you reports. I'll allow you to, this is just a different level of help. And I'm just, I'm only reason I'm telling you this is because I just want you to understand that if you are working with other recruiters and you should, I'm not, again, I'm not telling you because I mean, the odds are that I won't work with you for the first point, but, but if you are, but I'll still send you jobs. Now I'll try to tell you what's going on in your market. But if you are working with other recruiters, I would recommend speaking with a lot of them. And because you need to find every opportunity you can. Someone will be like, I won't work with you in the same with loyalty or whatever. I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you advice. And I do not care if you work with me and you want to as long as you're not applying to other jobs, the same jobs, I just want you to get a job. It's all I care about. And, and legal recruiters, again, understand the market. They often have individual relationships with hiring personnel, and they can be tremendously valuable to you. And it's important that you, in addition to applying to every firm you can, you speak with recruiters in your search. I would recommend making sure that the firms that they're submitting you to and stuff, have they've made placements there proudly. That's very important. Every firm that we've made placements with is on our website. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them. I don't, there's so many of them. 
but you should make sure that's the case. Other thing is networking. Most people get jobs because of positive relationships with other people. I want to make that clear. Most people get jobs because of positive relationships with other people. I had a bizarre experience. I love telling the story because it's so funny. I was talking to an attorney in Michigan. It doesn't matter where the person is, in the Midwest. And, uh, and the person had gone to University of Michigan Law School. They'd gotten some sort of degree from Caltech or something, great school in engineering, and uh, were unemployed. And, uh, and I was like, wow, what the hell's going on here? And they'd worked at a big firm. They'd worked at one of these Jones Days or something. I don't remember what the firm was, and, but a really good firm. And uh, so the person actually wasn't in Michigan because I don't even know if Jones Day is an officer, but they were, I think it was Jones Day. And maybe it was in Chicago or something. But the point is, is that the person had great qualifications. So I called them and I was trying to get information. I was like, tell me about your hobbies. Let's talk about what, why you think you're a good attorney. And let's talk about, tell me about your family. Because I'm trying to, I try to personalize my candidates to make them look personal because I want people to connect with them. This is what it's about. It's not about sending a resume, guys. No, you work with BCG. We have questionnaires. We have all these things. And the reason we want personal information about you it's not because Harrison is uptight and looking for a girlfriend or something. No, it's, it's because we're trying to personalize you and make you look like a real person to law firms, which is what they care about. Law firms hire people, not resumes. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Anyway, so I'm talking to this woman and she says that she would like to, she's not interested in answering my questions. She's got the background to work at these firms and, and why am I, why do I care? And she refuses to answer them. She's not interested in me talking to her about this. And I was like, are you kidding? Like law firms are going to hire you only if they can connect with you and you're unemployed and we need a story and I need to help you with this. And she says, no, this is, I'm only, this is what I want. And I'm like, wow, what the heck? And I got the phone. I was like, I just had this really dark kind of feeling. I was like, wow, this is very strange. What's wrong with this woman? And so I was like, I'm sorry, I can't work with you. And just, I can't represent anyone that I don't have a personal connection with. And that doesn't give me the tools to do that because you're going to get a job based on connection. You're unemployed for a reason. So for what, because it occurred to me, like, this is just something off of this woman. The first thing I did is I entered her name into a, I think it was Pacer, I was like, has she ever sued anybody? And, and I saw that she'd sued her old law firm for something. Maybe, I don't know, saying it was discrimination against females or something. I don't remember what it was. It was all bogus. And then I looked it up and there was articles about it. And it was like talking about how not only had she sued them, but she'd sued a, a hair salon for not waiting on her fast enough. And it was just all this crazy stuff. And so I was like, wow, this is what happened. And, and so this person was unable to make a connection. And because of that, he was losing jobs and thinks it's just all about doing the work. That attitude, by the way, of I'm here to do the work, you shouldn't care, there's no connection, I'm just, this is just an employment relationship. How in the hell do you expect to get ahead with that? 
Really? You really expect to get ahead just saying this is just a freaking employment relationship and, and that's all you need is an employment relationship? And no, you need to get out there and do whatever you possibly can to find a job. And that's all it is. And you need to connect with people. If you don't connect with people, you're in big trouble. Like, it's bad, man. You, you need to connect with others. And you need to do whatever you possibly can because that's who hires you. They hire you based on connection. So you need to find every contact you can. A new connection can help you. I had a really weird experience. And I hate telling these stories, but I'm telling it because I'm trying to help you. And, and this is I know this is a long webinar and a lot of information, but I had a weird experience. So I was at one point, I was literally on top of the world. I had before the 2008 recession, I had this company. It's the website's still up. It's called edfed.com. And, and the business is still operational, but nowhere near the level that it is. And I was making a student, I was doing student loans. And this business was incredible. Like it was bringing in tens of thousands of tens of millions of dollars a month. And my company went from 100 to 850 employees. I couldn't believe it. I started buying buildings for all the extra staff and I was on top of the world. And wow. And all of a sudden, two things happened. The first thing happened was the financial crisis happened. And, and I was making private student loans with a line of credit. And I lost my line of credit. They're like, sorry, this, I think I had about $10 million a day credit where I could fund these student loans and then sell them. I lost my line of credit. And, and, I, and then Obama administration said that private lenders could no longer do federal student loans, which was a huge source of business. Wow. All of a sudden... This 850-person company and all of these business and buildings and was at risk. And, and I tried to hold on, by the way. I paid these people because I had millions of dollars just sitting around. And I tried to keep everything going even after that. But my point is I had one guy. He was a, he was a banker at Morgan Lewis. He was a, a managing director, the kind of guy that makes probably five-plus million dollars a year. He lived in Penthouse and Park Avenue, and and he was a big deal. And he was actually he and I were in the process. He was going to invest in our company and give me, I believe it was like eighty million dollars for fifty one percent of it or something. It was again, I was like, wow, like I was on top of the world. This isn't think about that. I'm you know early thirties or whatever. And so anyway, but the anyway, the point is that this is happening. And so this guy, suddenly I call him one day. I'm like, you pulled out a line of credit, all this stuff, what's going on? He's like, I'm sorry. I just found out today that I lost my job and so did my whole department. And, and he was one of these guys that was negative against his company to some extent, but very polished and Harvard business school and Wharton undergrad and all this kind of stuff. And then he'd been there. And so he called me and I was like, wow, so I need to help you get a job. And he's like, no problem. What do I need to do? And so I did the same thing I'm telling you about. I told him, you got to send your resumes to all these people and all this stuff. And, he's, and then he calls me back. And again, I was talking to his family. His kids went to a school called Collegiate, which I, it's a great school in New York City. And I know people that went there and talking to this guy's wife. And he said, do you think Harrison Barnes, if Harrison Barnes lost his job, that he would send out, meaning me, would send out his resume to 100 banks in New York City? Do you think he would really do that and suit the level? And I said, hell yeah, I would. And, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school and 
learn about derivatives or something. So he was taking me because he couldn't knew the market was so bad. He started taking these classes and crazy. Right. And so then I found this book. It was called Don't Send a Resume. And it basically talks about something that I learned about earlier about how to get business. But it said that when you're in trouble or when you need a job, you need to find, write down the names of 200 people that you know, and, and then call all of them and talk to them and, and see what you can do. And you need to reestablish these relationships. They could be people you went to school with. They could be pe- former people you work with. They could be friends that you know from a long time ago and just talk to them and ask them how they're doing. And if they ask you how you're doing, just say, I'm calling you because I got some time in my hands. I just lost my job or whatever. I actually didn't say that. It was talking about if you're employed, trying to get a resume. But so I've written a lot about that. And this is just contacting people and putting the word out because you never know. I have a, a maid and her son worked at, I think he still does, Scadden. Who would have thought? Really? So it's like, these are people have connections you don't even know about. And so you need to contact everyone. You need to have a card. And if you have a grocer or a dry cleaner or people that you talk with or your hair people, you talk to them and you say, if they ask you how you're doing, you give them your card and tell them because you need to network. In this book, by the way, Never Send a Resume or whatever it's called, or, it's huge. And I'm not telling you to buy that book. You can. I have stories in my blog about it, harrisonbarnes.com. But this is what you need to do. You need to get out there. And you need to talk to everyone you possibly can and, and put the word out and connect people because it's all about connection. People will help you with connection. That story I told you earlier about University of Virginia Law School, I knew that their class was full when I applied. I went out there. I met with them. I sent them a copy of a book I wrote about, I don't know, Detroit and I problems with people that are African-Americans are having and how we need to fix it. I did everything I possibly could to make a connection. And and you need to make a connection. This is the only way to do it, man. This is what you need to do. And and you need to speak with your clients if appropriate, people that you're working with. If you've ever considered going in-house, you need to talk to them and say, I really appreciated working with you. And again, I'm not saying to undermine your relationship with your existing firm. Maybe it's at a previous firm, but you need to talk with your clients and put the word out and say, I'm looking for a position. I'm being selective. I'm trying to find something. You need to investigate opportunities outside of law firms. Again, I told you about law crossing. If there's companies that you like or small companies, go to their website and see if they have jobs. You investigate jobs in-house, with the government, any other practices that may interest you just to be safe. You need to apply to jobs outside of your current market. Again, this is a huge one. Applying to jobs outside of your current market works. If you apply to jobs outside of your current market, If you are in a big market, that's where everyone else is competing for the same jobs. So you're going to have a much harder time finding positions. You need to apply to jobs outside of your current market. If you don't apply to jobs outside of your current market, you're probably going to be in trouble. And this is what a lot of people do. You need to apply to smaller firms, bigger firms, bigger markets, smaller markets, every possible market you possibly can. Go to BCG and if you select that you're interested in 100 markets, if reasonable, if there's help you. But the other market too, by the way, that's really good. If you grew up in, let's say you grew up in Memphis and you're currently in Chicago, or you grew up in Cleveland and you're currently in San Francisco, like you, you going back to your home market is a very smart move. So go back to your home market. If you go back to your home market, law firms love it when people do that because it looks like you're going to stay. So you apply to jobs outside of your current market. And in past recessions, 
the attorneys who did the best are always those who are willing to be gener- geographically flexible. And I've written a lot about this, about considering other markets to job search. But you need to do that too. It's very important. I talk about it all the time. And, and then you need to look at law firms and employers of all sizes, not just big firms. If you're at a big firm, you should look at everything because this could be the opportunity you've been waiting for. Sometimes opportunities come and you don't know why. You don't know why those opportunities are coming. And if you have a good opportunity, maybe this is a blessing for you. Maybe not working in a big firm or maybe working in another firm is going to change your life. And it could, because a lot of times attorneys just take the first jobs that they could and they get, they don't realize all the other opportunities out there. So you need to apply to a recession or you need to apply to every possible firm you can. Look at law firms of all sizes, not just the firms that you think you should be working at. Your objective is to stay employed. You need to put any preconceptions aside and apply to work with firms of all sizes, not just big firms, not just small firms, not just medium firms, every firm. And they will get, you will get hired. I'm serious. This is what happens. Why have I made thousands of placements? I'm not, the average recruiter, by the way, makes three or four placements, maybe a year, maybe five. Sometimes if they're really good, a few more, but my numbers are, it's not a thousand, but I mean, it's, I'm not even going to tell you. It's more than, anyway, it's a lot. And it's because I do this, because I look at employers of all sizes. I look at firms of all sizes. I look at, and very few people buy into this, by the way. Most people think that they only need to apply to big firms or whatever, or small firms. And 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 my candidates buy into, of course, so most of them, but most people in the market do not buy into this. And this is what you need to do. You need to look at different markets and different firms of all sizes. That's the only way to get a job, man. Again, trust me, 25 years of experience watching people die, literally, because they haven't gotten jobs or careers die most of the time. This is what you need to do. A boutique law firm is a great choice for many attorneys. It works. You can get jobs there. And this is just what you need to do. You need to do that. It works. It's how things work. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. I want to tell you to one more story. And I, again, I apologize for telling all these stories and it's a lot, but I'm just doing everything I freaking can to get you a job and to save your career right now. I really want to. I really want to help you. The, the worst attorney I ever hired, I had an opening for an in-house counsel and I put the job out there and, and, and I would check my voicemail every day and there would be like voicemails from attorneys from Skadden and Latham and all these things saying, I really want to work for you and your firm and everything. And yeah, all right. So I was getting all these messages for this in-house job. And eventually I just, and I had so many applicants, it was like over a thousand, that I just couldn't even review them anymore. I didn't know what the hell to do. I was like, I'm just paralyzed and I'm working and recruiting and, and I want to be involved in this hire personally because someone's working for me, but 
I'm, I would prefer to not hire anyone right now because it's just too overwhelming. I have too much going on. So one day this woman walks into my office. She's probably in her 60s. She's unkempt, smells like smoke, and it's got a resume with her. And it's got missing a tooth. Or, I mean, it's just, again, it wasn't a pretty sight. And she'd gone to Arizona State and had been working in a company, not even a law firm, doing insurance. I don't know what she was doing. She walks in, she says, hey, I live in Malibu, which is where my office is. or was at the time. And, and uh, this is my resume. I know who you are. I'd really love to work with you. Could you please give me a chance? And she sat down. And, and she went to Arizona State, maybe graduated for law school or university, or didn't do particularly well, didn't have a very impressive career. And I hired her. Now, she turned out to be a horrible attorney, but I, again, I have a big heart. So I sat there for months going over everything she did and marking it up and trying to help her to be a better attorney. But eventually it just got, I didn't have time because nothing I said was sinking in. But 18 months, I kept her on trying to help her. And I had all these better people. And again, during that time, I was using outside law firms and everything because I couldn't rely on her work. I don't even think I'm like negligent or something. But the point is that was a personal connection she made. And that's why she got a job. That's why I got into schools. And that's why you need to make that personal connection. So in 2008, 2009, there were recessions. Legal recruiters noticed major slowdowns. However, when the market slows down, not every area of the country slows down. What ends up happening is that a lot of legal work moves to the most expensive law firms and major markets or the smaller law firms outside of major markets. So I want to explain this dynamic to you so you understand it. And what happens is companies do not want to pay the high billing rates of the big law firms. So what they do, or the, even the medium-sized law firms, they send their work to the big law firm, big, the big law firms work is sent to medium law firms, typically in smaller markets. The medium then the medium work is sent to the smaller law firms because everyone wants to save money. And work in Chicago moves to suburban law firms or to other areas. Work in New York City might move to upstate New York and Long Island and other things, places in New York where the billing rates are lower. And smaller law firms often end up getting more work. And they use the recession to grab talent attorneys from markets where there is an oversupply of them. That's just how it works. And this is just something that you need to understand. Smaller law firms become very busy and they use attorneys to, to do that. And during the last recession, a number of our placements actually increased because of this trend. One more story for this. I just want you to understand what happened. We had, it was very funny. We had, I'm going to tell you about two different offices. We had an office in Chicago during the last recession. We also had an office in New York. So our office in New York was staffed by these two, oh, they, were, they were the main people and there were other people, but the, the people that were leading the office were these two women from major law firms. And then there was also a manager that was also from a major law firm, but they were from major law firms had gone to good law schools. And one of them was editor in chief and, and were used to placing people in big law firms and, and thought that was the only place that they could send them and sending people to smaller law firms and smaller markets was beneath them because they were big firm recruiters and they represented all these powerful big firms and, and great. So they, so I told them at the beginning of the recession, I'm like, listen, man, like you're not going to make any placements or any money if you're sending these candidates uh, to just big firms because there's no jobs. And you, if there are jobs, you're competing with everyone. You need to get them the hell out of New York into smaller markets, and you need to work in smaller firms in New York. 
and send them to smaller firms. Because if you don't do that, no one, none of your candidates are going to get jobs. And they were like, yeah, I'm sorry. This is where basically our egos are dependent on working with big firms. Completely insane, right? So then I had these other people in Chicago. Now, the people in Chicago had Midwestern values. And, and I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense against recruiters that, in New York, but they had Midwestern values. And I said the same thing to them. And, and one of them, the women that was head of it, the office, I'll never forget her. She was awesome. And she was uh, basically a former recruiting coordinator that had gone to a Bible college. And I don't even know if she graduated and got a degree. Her brother was a security guard and she was from Kentucky like a blue collar family. And the other person there was an attorney that had come from a mid-sized firm in Chicago and gone to maybe Loyola or something of Chicago. N- not the greatest qualifications, but I, they're like, if Harrison's telling me to do this crap, I'm going to do it. And this woman in New York were just kind of like gossipy. And, and these people were not gossipy. They just followed the line because it's like everything you saw, this is true. So I told them, do not send your candidates to big firms in New York. Send them to suburbs and smaller markets discourage them, not big firms in Chicago, and send them to the smaller firms in the suburbs and everything. So the woman in New York, I'm going to tell you the first story. A year later, I went out there and um, and they had quit because they hadn't found jobs. One of them went to work in a career services office and or actually went to another recruiting firm and then stayed there and didn't do well and left and went to work in career services office. And the other one went to another recruiting firm and also didn't do well. And, and now is I don't think doing anything, but these are people that had worked for me for 10 plus years. One of them 15 or whatever, and the other one for 10 or 11, 12. And the women in Chicago, though, were like, I'm going to, so I went out there, but anyway, I went out to visit them and it had been like a year and they'd made maybe one or two placements during this recession, one or two. Okay. And one of them had started smoking, which was just completely weird. She'd been like a health person. And the other one was, didn't have money to eat. And this is how bad it was. Like it was out of money. And I'm like, wow, this is commission jobs. And, uh, and these are people that were making three to five or $600,000 a year, the years previously. So they were doing and this all of a sudden. Then I went out to the Chicago office and it couldn't have been more stark and different. They had their best year. I think one of them made six or $700,000 in the middle of a recession. Again, people without any formal legal education. And the other one was doing extremely well as well. So well that she was being plucked off and eventually, I think, plucked off by another recruiting firm because she couldn't stop bragging about how well she was doing in the market every time. So the point is that this is two separate approaches to the market. Like you can do the approach of the people in the New York office, like I'm telling you about, and you can apply to a few firms and think you're above all this and make make it about your ego. Or you can just get out there and do what's required and listen to me and be a soldier, like I'm telling you, and not not be the opposite. You need to be a soldier, not a freaking general. This is not about your ego. This is about surviving. And those two women that were very successful, no longer. It's over. Just because of this piece of advice. Same thing happens to attorneys and law firms. They do not follow this advice and their careers die. It's sad. I'm just telling you what I see in the market. I'm not, there's nothing special about me. This is not about my ego. I care about getting people jobs. I want, but I'm just telling you, this is what you need to do. And you either listen to me or not. And you need to be flexible. You need to consider new markets. You need to look at firms of all sizes. You need to network the way I'm telling you. And you need to fix it. You need to protect your resume by avoiding gaps. 
I've told you about some very aggressive job search strategies that should be part of everybody's repertoire. I believe in this. Not every attorney is willing to engage in this type of search. Most of them, it's about their freaking ego. Like the guy, oh, by the way, the guy I told you about, the guy that was making $5 million a year, the managing director or whatever it was, it was I don't know what, Morgan Stanley or what, I don't remember, but one of those big banks that was offering me $80 million at one point. That guy just died, his career died over because he didn't search for a job. He started, I don't know, he set up his own like trying to invest in derivatives or something, but over. Wow, because he would Harrison Barnes email his resume or mail his resume to 100 law firms? Would Oh, by the way, I do want to offer you one other piece of advice. When I work with candidates at BCG, I do something that is a secret of mine, but I'm going to tell everyone on this call because I want to help you. If the law firm doesn't yell at me for doing it, I will fax them a resume. I fax them the resume in addition to emailing it because I know that that law firm may just get a bunch of emails and not pay attention. If I send a fax, someone's going to deliver it to them and put it on their desk. I also will send letters if the law firm lets me. Printed letters. Imagine thousands of letters going out per week printed because I'm trying to get the law firm's attention. You need to do the same thing. If you can possibly mail your resume and email it and stuff and get their attention, show you really want the job, that's going to help you. You do not want to let your ego get involved in any search. You do not want to be under the belief that law firms that are receiving, like I did, in-house counsel job Harrison Barnes has, tons of voicemail messages, over a thousand applications. Wow, why would I, I'm frozen. So the law firms are like that too, but you also need to make sure that you don't let your ego get involved. You need to be, you can't, jobs should not chase you. you. Law firms will hire the people that they have a connection with and that want the job and that they think are gonna be on the right side of everything, not the other one. And even attorneys, you do aggressive searches, do not end up finding jobs because they often cannot be geographically flexible. They sit around in these markets. I mean, New York during the last recession was like night of the living dead. There was nothing. Everything was, everyone was losing money. People were walking around with their heads down, the law firm, and sad. You need to be geographically flexible. And you understand you don't want a gap in your resume. If you have a gap, it makes it look like you're on the side of the people that don't get work, that are against the firm that the law firm didn't favor, that don't know how to connect people, all these things. So you need to take actions to find a law firm position. Litigators, you can take a judicial clerkship. If things are slowing down, you should be applying to every freaking clerkship you can. I certainly recommend if you can get in a federal clerkship, but even if you're a 10th year attorney and you take a one or two year clerkship, you can get back after a recession. Attorneys can do them all the time. It can help your careers. It's kind of a sabbatical. Corporate attorneys go to business school. I've seen lots of attorneys go to business school during recessions. You should be applying now if you can, everything you can, if you want to stay in a big market. I've placed lots of attorneys at every, I would say, 25 to 50 of the AMLAW, 50, half of them, I mean, the 50 biggest firms that decided to go to business school during recessions. This is often helpful. It actually makes you more employable. I don't know why, but Law firms love it and makes it, it gives you business background that you help with your corporate clients that can help. You can get law firms. Sometimes you can get positions with law firms overseas. I've had instances where I've had candidates who are sitting around unemployed and I'm like, great, let's, I'm going to, let's apply to everywhere in Dubai and let's apply to all the firms in Saudi Arabia and let's apply to all this stuff. 
I mean, like, I mean, one guy was like, it's, anyway, I'm not going to talk about religious stuff, but they, they, it was like, why would I go to Dubai? They will kill me or why would I go to, and I'm like, you need a job, man. So they don't know your religion and getting them jobs in Saudi Arabia and all these different places. It's very funny, but you need to apply to all these. If you can, especially for a corporate attorney, try to apply overseas. Patent attorneys, another smart thing for you to do is to you can get another degree. You can take a year off and if you're mechanical, get electrical, which is more employable. That's smart. If you have a undergraduate degree in some scientific discipline, biology or something, you can get a master's degree and it's going to make you more employable later on. If you're a patent attorney, you can often go work for the USPTO. Now, sometimes it is difficult to go from the USPTO back to the law firm, but you can do that as well. Um, real estate, you can go in-house. That's very easy, by the way, to go in-house. There are tons of real estate jobs. You can mail your resume to every developer, every and you will get jobs. It's very easy to get an in-house job as a real estate attorney, extremely easy. And any attorney can get an LM. It's not always a good idea, but it's good. The NYU and the some of these other schools, LLMs are a good option for tax and corporate, or it can be good for RISA, healthcare, other practice areas, and it's often smart during a recession. And you can also, if you're, I'm not going to get myself in trouble here, but you can start a family. You can spend a year or two doing that. If you do that and you say I'm, it's a maternity or paternity leave, it's often okay. And it's mm-hmm. the least desirable, but law firms are pretty nice about that a lot of times if you say you want to take a break. And all of these can be effective and fulfill gaps in your resume, especially during an op- downturn. And if the slowdown is only in your firm, then the other thing is you need to find out if these firms will require you to leave. Every law firm operates differently, but there's some red flags that should concern you about your law firm's financial health. Again, some of you are junior some and may not understand all these signs. I want to make sure you understand the signs of when you need to look for a job and what you need to do. And, and this is these are the most important signs. One of the most important signs is the most powerful attorneys in the firm are leaving. So what partners will do, the ones with the most business, and they will leave when when there's a lot of compensation issues. So if you're a partner, just understand if you're a partner and you have a big book of business and you're making a lot of money and all of a sudden the law firm says to you, sorry, but we can't pay you as much this year uh, because things are slowing down and we need to make sure we keep other practice areas active and so forth. If you're just put yourself in their situation, if you're making $2 million and all of a sudden they tell you you're only going to pay you a million and you can go to another firm and make $3 million with your book, what would you do? Would you pay the firm essentially $2 million to do that? I see partners do this all the time, by the way. Sometimes partners will be, and I'm, again, I don't want to, I love the capitalism and the market economy. So here's what happens. So I was talking to a partner not too long ago. I'm in this group called the Young Presidents Organization and I meet people all the time. And I was talking to this partner that has an incredible like $30 million book of business. I was sitting next to him. I'm, a, I'm actually the, the chair of the uh, Century City Los Angeles YPO, which I consider a big honor. But the point is that uh, I was at this event. I was sitting next to this guy and he came up and was talking to me and he said, what did he say? Oh, he's just, I was at this other firm and they were paying me $2 million and with my book. And and I was like, why are you paying me so little? So we have all these legacy partners. And then he realized they have all these people that they were paying at the firm that don't have any business. And, and, he, and he was like, screw it. And he went over to another big firm, a big New York firm in Los Angeles, where 
he said they were paying him five and a half million for So why, what would you do? Just put yourself in that situation. So the, the law firms will experience mass partner defections because of compensation issues. And if it's big time partners that's happening with, like people who have business, these are going to create conditions where the work is going to dry up. And those who are left, which may be new, are going to not have work. And firms will always say, everything's great until they close their doors. She should never take anything. Your firm is saying it's save value, save face value. The very funny story when Dewey Ballantyne, the firm I told you about earlier where I was working at, was going out of business. I don't remember when that happened, but it was around this 2008, 2009 time. All these partners were defecting and the firm was having all these problems. And, and it was pretty clear that it would look like it was going to close its doors. And they hired this PR agency or this reputation consultant named Citric. Uh, a very famous uh, reputation company or firm in New York or LA or something. And and so they put out these releases and they were putting out these things every day. And the managing part of the firm was saying things like, we've never done better work. Our attorneys have never worked harder. And so they were putting the stuff out every day about how great the firm was, when in reality, things were days away from going out of business. So this is what firms do. Just put yourself in their situation. It's not that they're doing anything wrong. They're just trying to protect themselves. And the firm will say anything they can to protect their reputation, even if things are in trouble. And if the work at your firm is slow and these partners are leaving, that's a big issue. And other things that happen are a lot of law firms are in a specialty legal practices, and those practice areas may slow down. A lot of law firms is nothing but intellectual property work have closed. It's because that the IP litigation work, a lot of that went away. They had a very difficult time being competitive. And there's been a lot of downward pricing on that. And just give you an example of one type of firm, a, pa- a firm that does nothing but trademark could be in trouble. A firm that, well, trademark litigation actually is probably okay. But the, you get the idea. Different rate structures and firms that are experiencing problems in their practice area, just on a global scale, are often living on borrowed time. And, and so you should understand if you're in a, if you're in a specialty type law firm that say your firm does nothing but corporate. There are firms that do nothing but corporate. They're like especially law firms. Those firms are probably going to have some serious issues. The firm does nothing but corporate. If the firm is a real estate boutique and does nothing but real estate, you're probably gonna, they're probably going to be in trouble. So if you work at one of these firms, you should be aware that real estate, corporate, certain types of litigation, certain types of patent, that your work could go away. A law firm can't be competitive when there's no work. Again, one of the things that I told you about earlier is a lot of firms have branch offices, and billing rates that are too high for the market. It could be a New York firm in Los Angeles, like I gave you an example of earlier, and and they may be billing, their billing rates may be too high, and those compensation structures could create issues with them generating work and holding work in those markets. A lot of times, um, uh, some firms open branch offices and they don't pay their partners and associates enough to be competitive. Example, you have, and this is just a silly example, but a lot of insurance defense firms and good insurance defense firms have attempted to open corporate practices or do other things in their law firms in major cities. They typically fail at this and end up losing partners. And because the partners leave, associates lose their positions as well. So you need to understand if your firm's experimenting with a practice area, that's a bad sign. So if you're in a big firm, and they do nothing but litigation and decide that they want to also start doing a little patent prosecution, a little 
something else, that's not going to be the first to go. They hold on to their core businesses. That, that's what companies do too. So during recessions, companies always hold on to their core businesses and they get rid of the stuff that's costing them money. Look at what Goldman Sachs is doing right now. They have their, they tried to get into consumer finance and and they're just getting killed and that's probably going to go get markets and so they're probably going to have some serious issues with that so i'm just i'm trying to make you understand uh, what happens with these other practice areas during recessions that's all the time we have for this edition of the show if you are an attorney looking for a change head on to bcgsearch.com 